everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the FearCast. This is the podcast dedicated to OCD, anxiety, anxiety spectrum disorders, and getting your life back. Uh, I'm your host, Kevin Foss, and I'm a licensed clinician specializing in OCD and anxiety treatment. Thank you all for joining me today. While this is qu- uh, typically a question and answer based podcast, this is a, uh, a special episode in the Anxiety in the Arts series. So uh, with this episode, I was lucky enough to have Lefty Lucy, a professional burlesque dancer and performer uh, on the podcast to talk about her experience with being a burlesque dancer for uh, her uh, uh, and, and some of the some of the skills that she has learned to help manage her own anxiety, to manage her own distraction, to manage her own uh, I just uh, kind of struggles in in being a performer, a live performer, especially as uh, as, as she went through the world of COVID. Um, and uh, she's uh, she joined us today to be able to share some of her uh, some of her wisdom uh, that she has uh, uh, gained through uh, hard fought experience. So, uh, so she'll share a little bit about herself. But uh, I, I had a delightful time chatting with her, uh, catching up with her. Actually, I've, I've known her for quite some time. But uh, uh, she uh, she's she shared some uh, fantastic wisdom that uh, about. Uh, I think one of the things that helped most, or I think that will be help most helpful, is kind of learning a little bit about. Uh, her her fight against perfectionism, her fight against uh, uh, getting bogged down in in scheduling and getting bogged down in the expectations that others have of her and for her and what quote life is supposed to be. So she has a choose your own adventure attitude, uh, but also some skills to help her uh, uh, navigate that uh, very effectively. So, without further ado, here is my conversation with Lefty Lucy. So I forgot to mention this in the intro, so I'm going to finagle it and squeeze it right in here. Uh, if you would like to learn more a little bit about Lefty Lucy, you can go over to the website, fearcastpodcast.com. I'm going to be posting a number of, uh, of, of resources uh, and, and links to her and her content, uh, her podcast, uh, uh, so, and, and uh, a couple of the pictures of her schedules that uh, that she had uh, referenced or we, we talk about in the episode. So you'll be able to see what, what system is working for her in this. Uh, and also, if you want to see a little bit more about what, what it is that she does, how she does it, and what her performance is, you can go uh, to fearcastpodcast.com and go over to this episode page and you'll be able to find it more there. All right, so on to the episode. All right, Lefty Lucy, thank you so much for joining me for the Fearcast today. Thank you for having me, Kevin. Absolutely. Well, um, so before we jump into it, I'd love to hear a little bit about from you. So who who are you? What are you about? And uh, I guess just tell the listeners a little bit about you. Uh, well, as you mentioned, my name is Lefty Lucy, and uh, I, I was not given that name by my mother, but rather I am a uh, full-time entertainer, theater person, burlesque performer. Uh, I uh, live in New Orleans, and I host burlesque bingo every other week and I work for a local theater company and I do free sketch nights and uh, a variety of of hustles. I just started producing a podcast called The Witch Daily Show. Ooh. We'll, so. we'll need a link for that for the, our, um, uh, uh, the episode page. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Awesome. So, so with all of... Well, I guess the, um, I guess we'll we'll start from the beginning. Tell me a little bit about how you got in into all of that. As as the the theme of our conversation is going to be how we how we experience or how how 
artists, musicians, performers get into their line of business and then how anxiety either derails it, puts an obstacle in the way, or just serves as just kind of a, a, a jerk in the whole process. Yeah. Um, and then also what you what you have done or are doing to work with that. But So tell us a little bit about how you got into uh, performing and um, specifically the burlesque world performing. Yeah. Um, so I started doing theater as a child. I was in a children's theater company called Serendipity in California. Then I went to the LA County High School for the Arts and I moved to New York as a theater major and quickly became an English major because I could not work full time and also do my tech hours and all the things required of you as a theater major. Uh, So for the next decade-ish, I was working in publishing, living as an undercover normal person. I had a nine to five. And then my nine to five folded and gave us way too much notice because they wanted us to wrap up all our projects. And so I had a lot of free time. Mm. And while looking for what I was going to do with my life, uh, I found the New York School of Burlesque. Uh, And they are the first burlesque school in the country uh, run by Joe Weldon, who actually wrote the burlesque handbook. Um, And I took a four week intensive with them. And once you take any class with them, you can perform. And so I did. And uh, it also actually connected um, to the death of my father Mm. uh, because when my dad died, I instantly felt the lack of his presence on Mm. the planet. And The first time I took the stage as a burlesque performer, he was back. Wow. Um, It was almost, it was a year and like 15 days after he died that I had my burlesque debut. Mm -hmm. Um, And it was just really powerful. Uh, The burlesque community is a really supportive community to be around. Mm -hmm. Um, The audiences are great. It's unlike everywhere else in the world, people want you to succeed. Yeah. Yeah. and so that's nice. That does. That's good for the anxiety. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Did, I mean, yeah. I was gonna say it, it's. What what is it about the about the bur, uh, about the burlesque community or burlesque performance that that drew you to it as opposed to you know any of the other types of of performing art or or, or visual art? What is it about that that kind of drew you? Yeah, um, I've always loved art. I've been trained by it my whole life. Mm-hmm. Studied obviously theater very deeply Mm -hmm. i'm also a big fan of visual art i love watching dance uh even though i was never a dancer Mm -hmm. um me neither and yeah (laughs) um and when i found burlesque it kind of felt like all of these languages i had been learning suddenly had a purpose and Mm. made sense so all of these disparate pieces that were just kind of irrelevant facts suddenly had a way to work together. Uh, I really like having a story to my striptease. Like, there's a reason I'm getting naked, you know? Um, and I also love physical comedy and prop comedy. So all of these things work together really nicely. And burlesque is just the only art form I found that I can speak clearly in. So it's carrot top with tassels. Basically, yeah. Okay. I, I think yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, like if if, yeah, if Lucille Ball was a stripper, you're looking at her. 
Fair enough. I don't even know what to say in response to that, but that's that. that <laughs> I feel like that encapsulates it perfectly, and I think that 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 also differentiates it from you know what for for some listeners who aren't aware of like the differences between like what what makes burlesque burlesque and how is that how is that or how is that not stripping. But I think that's kind of the story that you told. It's like it's it's more involved with that. It's performance in the sense that you're telling a story. There is usually comedy for for you. There's props. Um, there's there there's something that you're doing that's um, it's. It's telling a broader um, story arc. Yeah. Well, I mean, like, it can also be striptease, but the yeah. difference really between burlesque and stripping isn't us, it's you. When you go to a strip club, the stripper is not there to do whatever the fuck she wants and you're just going to give her money. Uh-huh. She's there to create a fantasy for you. She's there to make you believe that she, you know, is dancing just for you or whatever, whatever, right. so that she can get paid. Whereas, burlesque you don't come in as an audience member thinking like I get to decide or have any say over what's going to happen on this stage Mm -hmm. and for that freedom we don't necessarily get paid as well (laughs) (laughs) well fair enough I guess (laughs) trade-offs right yeah you know you do what you can with what you got (laughs) well fair enough Um, well with so so now that you are now that you got into you you started performing you started doing doing that I guess how how has your I guess tell us a little bit about then your progression as a as a as a professional as a performer so yeah after I got started in burlesque uh I quickly won the title of Miss Coney Island um which is a burlesque competition that happens every September check it out uh, which is a big deal yeah, it was. It was. It was really awesome. I was a robot, and I'm going to share that act with you, so you can share it with your your uh, friends and fans here. Um, but then I, I went on to be the executive producer of the Nerdlesque Festival, uh, which I've since handed over to Maki Roll, and that is based in Washington D.C. now. Uh, and then after moving to New Orleans, I created the completely original burlesque bingo, which in 2020. February of 2020, I had been declared by a local magazine that I was one of the top five burlesque shows in New Orleans and one of the top five burlesque MCs in New Orleans. So that was neat. That's awesome. (laughs) Did you get like a little stamp or a little seal that you can put on your website? No, because... the reason I describe it as top five is because I didn't win. They they only mentioned the winners, but I have the screenshot that lists me as the top five. So, and that and you know what, I'd put that on your website. <laughs> Snapshot that. Well, fair yeah. fair enough. That that's that sounds like a lot. It sounds like a lot of work, and it sounds like you've 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 had to hustle and learn and put yourself out there a, a lot to try to get to that to get to that point. It takes it, yeah. It takes a lot of tenacity. Yeah, and you know, like with everything in life, there's no roadmap. You're just kind of taking the skills you have and rolling the dice. Right. What was that like for you? Um, after, so after I got laid off from my publishing job, uh, the worst thing that our government could have done was give me freedom because I got a taste of what not working nine to five felt like and because I had unemployment benefits and I was starting to get involved in burlesque, mm-hmm. uh, because I didn't have a nine to five, I had time and energy to be creative about finding other ways to make money. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, after six months of being unemployed, I was able to float a new career because 
no one was taking my time and energy away from me every single day. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, I've did, I did work, you know, temp jobs and stuff part-time. Like currently I work part-time for a theater company. Um, but the longer I've been in my career, the more I've been able to make every job I do aligned with my mission and my passion. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think had I not been laid off and been forced to completely reinvent everything. And then again, with quarantine after COVID hit, it was another reset where I had nothing but time and no choice to do anything else except figure out how to not kill myself. Right. And as, as we previously were talking about before we clicked the record button, that's a good place to start. Yeah. Yeah. You know, sometimes if that's all you got, that is a very specific mission, you know, like, like, you know what you want and that's something. And, and that's something. And, and there's, there, there, there's something, I mean, to a certain degree, joking aside, but a certain degree, joking present. Anyways, that you, we, in our darker spots, we just kind of ride it out to the times that things are going to get better. And they, they do, they get better or they get easier. They get lighter. It doesn't mean they they change or they change. At at least they change. change, Right. And with that change comes different options, Mm -hmm. but you don't know what you're going to see until you get there. Yeah, absolutely. Which is a pain in the ass to try to figure out how to get to that next point. But yeah, well, and I think when all of your time is taken up and your energy is taken up doing other things, your brain doesn't have the opportunity to come up with those solutions. And mm-hmm. so you kind of can get stuck in these patterns of survival. Right. Um, yeah. And you've referenced kind of the, 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 the survival element. I mean, for, for a lot of people, they're, they're going to, that's going to resonate with them. That idea that there's, they're, they're, they're not coasting towards a, you know, a, a clear goal, clear direction, but they're they're just trying to get to the next day. Mm-hmm. How how has that impacted you, or what has that looked like in in the course of your, your life or the course of your your career? Yeah, I uh, so as I mentioned, since 2012, I've been basically a full time burlesque performer, and as I also mentioned, burlesque doesn't necessarily pay super well. Um, so every dime was going toward rent every dime was going toward food or feeding my cats or paying my electric bill or whatever whatever Mm -hmm. um and it became so exhausting in new york i left new york and i moved to new orleans and uh new orleans is a city that culturally prioritizes celebration Mm -hmm. um I would say rest, except we spend too much time celebrating to have to rest. Um, uh, and slowly but surely, bit by bit, I was making a little bit more time to, you know, see movies with friends or do things. But it was still a struggle because it's that thing where if you have time, you don't have money. And if you have money, you don't have time. Mm-hmm. Um, and then quarantine hit. And... I had at least rent taken care of. Mm-hmm. And because I shop like I lived through the Great Depression, I had groceries, mm-hmm. you know, from back when things were still lush. Mm-hmm. Um, but I really, you know, a lot of it was thinking, I'm so tired of just surviving. You know, like now I'm almost 40. Uh, I was like 36 when quarantine hit i don't know it numbers are hard but 
like I'd been surviving for a long time Mm -hmm. and I knew that there could be I could still only be halfway through this life and I was exhausted Um, and so I started thinking about what I wanted my life to look like and journaling about that as much as possible and the thing I discovered was that when I knew what I wanted I could see the opportunities when they appeared uh, and I also knew what I didn't want so I stopped wasting my time accepting things Uh, and I started like raising my rates on things like what's a dollar amount that's going to make me not angry for leaving the house so that I'm not late to this job you know because if I'm not getting paid enough I'm going to be late or I'm not going to do as well or you know maybe I won't wash my wig like Mm -hmm. so really figuring out uh, what I felt the value of my time was and like it might be sound like hippy dippy but really like once i was like no i just won't work for less than 25 dollars an hour Mm -hmm. i unless i'm doing it for a friend and like as a favor like i haven't had to and like there's no like logical reason why other than i decided it should be so i wrote down all the ways the things that made me happy and then i looked for those things i tried to find those opportunities Mm -hmm. and you know, luck definitely factors in. The theater job I have, um, I got because I posted on Facebook about how I didn't know how to make a resume for myself because you definitely want to hire me. But what I do is anticipate problems and fill in cracks so that all of the things that make your day-to-day miserable stop happening. Mm-hmm. And it's really hard to express that on a resume, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my friends saw the post and she runs this local theater company, No Dream Deferred, and was like, you are exactly the brain I need on my team right now. So I was able to start, you know, it started with just five hours a week and got up to 20 hours a week. That's tremendous. Yeah. So, you know, it wasn't like, obviously five hours a week isn't sustainable living, mm-hmm. but by making the investment in that time and those people and those relationships, I created more opportunities for myself. And it sounded like that was important to you. Yeah. I I mean, autonomy, I think is really important to me and, uh, you know, not look, (laughs) we live in a capitalist society. We live in a, a society that was, has a foundation of white supremacy, has a fantasy of of patriarchy, all of these things. Mm -hmm. Just by waking up and, like, being a person, you can't avoid these things. And Mm -hmm. so it's been on my mind and my heart to try and do the things that make me happy and that feel like living a good life in a way that either dismantles those things or makes opportunities for people who are otherwise harmed by those things as much or more than I am. Right. Right. But even within that, it's not that that takes intention. It takes thoughtfulness to, to, to be thoughtfulness to, to execute. Yeah. I think I had a really big wake up during quarantine. Um, I would like, I had that July, because it had been a while by then, and that was when we were really in the deep of it. We didn't know when there'd be mm-hmm. a vaccine. We didn't know how long we were going to be quarantined. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've always struggled with my relationship with time. I don't experience time linearly. Uh, and it got really bad. And I was like, 
I was suicidal for a minute there. And one day I woke up and I wasn't. And I don't know why, mm-hmm. but I wasn't. And I decided I needed to do everything in my power to not get back to that place again. Since I don't know what got me out of it, right. I need to just avoid getting there again. And so I thought about what gives my life meaning mm-hmm. um, in combination with being a human who exists in America and needs to pay bills and survive. And like, I don't know, would also like to go to Disney World sometime. Like, <laughs> figuring out how these things work together. Um, and I started creating all these systems you know, I'd make a list of all the things I needed to do for the week and then I'd figure out how long each of those things took and then I'd go, okay, well, maybe I can make this a routine and I'll sign like, you know, these two hours on Tuesday and these three hours on Thursday and then if they don't happen, if those two hours on Tuesday don't happen, I know it's only two hours and I can find two hours somewhere else in my schedule. Mm -hmm. Or maybe it's not important and it can wait till next Tuesday because Tuesday will come again. How do you make that decision between between those things? Between if it's something that you're gonna decide to make space for, or that you're gonna kind of push for a week? Um, I think it, it's you know it's it it's catch as catch can. I think the, the all we can do is identify what needs to get done and try to create the structure for it, and then if we have about a depression, stay present and aware every day that it's happening creates space for it to happen um if you know that doing something simple is going to make getting through it easier do that simple thing you know if it's going to the beach or something stupid or like writing that one email that's haunting you do that thing Mm -hmm. um but it's really like for me thinking about it like when i gave something okay so this happens on tuesdays saying to myself you know what Tuesday will come again even if it was important I'm still going to touch in with it at least once a week and if I miss a week I'll get it next week Mm -hmm. Uh, and even if you know maybe it was super important maybe I'm going to have a couple more apologies to do next Tuesday as long as I fill that time with something that is better for my mental health then I think I'm succeeding as a person because at the end of the day if I'm sick or depressed or whatever, then I really can't do anything. So I might as well ride the roller coaster. Right. Gosh, within that, I'm also hearing a hefty, a hefty amount of not giving into perfectionism. Oh, God. Yeah. Well, so I'm, I'm a Virgo. So Virgos are classically known for being perfectionists. So I actually got into astrology when I was in junior high school so that I could learn my weaknesses and thwart them. That was like the purpose. So I've actually spent a lifetime of trying to disconnect from my desire for perfectionism mm-hmm. or redefine perfect looks like and giving myself permission for it to be more broad Mm -hmm. uh you know like yesterday i really wanted to go to this national park that's like an hour drive away and it was looking like it might rain for a minute and instead of spiraling because it might rain i was like no you know what there's a place that's a 10 minute drive away and there's going to be more people there and it's not exactly what you want but you'll get like you'll get the trees and you'll get to look at water and that'll be something so even if you think it's going to rain you have a plan b so shut the fuck up and move on with your day and then it turned out it didn't rain and i was able to go to the park you know so 
creating these broader definitions of what feels good mm-hmm. has been really helpful. That's amazing. It's yeah. it, it 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 sounds. I, I think some some people hear that some hear me say it's amazing and go, well, it's not amazing. But it actually is. It takes. It it, it would have been very easy for you to just go. I can't go to that park. The the, the park that you wanted to go to. Mm-hmm. It's raining. This is dumb. I'm not. I'm going to stay in my house and and do nothing and just grumble. Mm-hmm. Which also would have been double bad because for three days I had been emotionally preparing and looking forward to being outdoors. Like that was the thing I needed was I needed to be outside alone. And if I had stayed inside that day, I probably would have missed this call. Like I probably right. would have ended up because like I felt like I remember I felt that precipice. I felt that like, oh, oh, crap, I'm about to get depressed. And then I was like, no, don't get depressed. You'll just do this other thing. And if you're depressed, then you can deal with it then. But don't don't lean in. <laughs> it's not time to lean in yet. Right, right. And th- there's something important uh, about knowing what works for you. Right. Mm-hmm. You said you need to be outside. Sometimes it's as simple as that, as I, I, I'm someone who needs to be outside. You're someone who needs to be outside from time to time. That's relatively easy to accomplish. So, it, but if that's something that you need to schedule in, knowing those things, and if it's, you know, I need to go to the beach, I need to see my friend, I need to go to Disney World. Great. Yeah. If that's the thing, keeping that in your reasonable yeah. rotation, right? So it's, yeah, it's funny. Uh, Along those lines, uh, so one of the things I try to do is go for an eight-mile bike ride twice a week. And when I originally decided to do it, it was for my health. And I kept not doing it. And then one day, I finally got on my bike again and realized, like, I love biking. And I love, especially here in New Orleans, like, I love biking under these old oaks and smelling the trees and hearing the crickets. And when I'm on my bike, my mind's clear in a way that I don't usually get. And after that bike ride, I stopped thinking about, I'm doing this for my health because I'm a grown-up and I have to. And it became, this is part of my time. This is part of my rest and my recharge. Like, I need to value going on this bike ride as much for my mental health as I do eating lunch every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and having that shift in thinking has been huge. And I, it was also interesting for me to realize that when I was doing something because it was felt like something I had to do, it wasn't happening. Mm-hmm. But when I internalized the aspect of it that I loved and that was for me mm-hmm. and I focus on that, then I can do it consistently. Right. I, there. I I call it the differences between get tos and have tos. Mm-hmm. You turn. I mean, it's yes, it's important and helpful to take care of our physical health. But when it's a have to, it's a pain in the butt. Nobody wants to do that. Mm-hmm. And then you turn it into a get to. This is something you yeah. enjoy to do or enjoy doing, and therefore you're much more likely to do it. Yeah. Do you have anything else like that in your life? Um. I kind of feel like everything in my life is like that. I feel like my entire life has been structured in equal parts to pay my bills and stay as far away from wanting to kill myself as possible. So, like, um, the free sketch night I do every other week, like, it... It's just, you know, I'm not making money off of it. It's not like the most high-tech thing. I only get like eight or nine artists in there on a regular basis. Mm -hmm. But it feels 
good. Like that's the one day where I can just come up with any costume or look I want to. And if I feel like experimenting with makeup, I can. And there's no expectation of what I'm going to present. Mm -hmm. And it creates this freedom of being artistic that I've never really had before. Because, like, I don't, like, sit around my house and play with makeup because I need an end game. Like, just having the makeup on is not enough. Like, I need to go show it to someone or do something with it or da-da-da-da. So having the sketch night gives me that opportunity. Um, And it's also, you know, I, in the before times, I was modeling at a bunch of different colleges and everything. I'd been doing that for a while. And I always joke that that was my paid meditation time. Mm -hmm. Because you're sitting still for anywhere from 1 to 20 minutes. And all you really can do is just be present with yourself. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. so that's another one that like it started as work and became about what I get out of it. Right. And uh, what, what I also think is important about uh, the, these things that you're sharing, they're not things that people might typically say as are, are good for your mental health, but you found something helpful for your mental health in these kind of m- mundane things that you were already doing. Yeah, I think that's really key. Uh, I think the most important thing to do is look at the mundane things because there are a lot of have-tos. You Mm -hmm. have to eat, you have to make food, you have to go grocery shopping or whatever um, in order to eat and make, you know, like all the things. Um, I lost the thread of thought there. I mean, what what we've been circling around is essentially the, the, the culmination of the movie Soul, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So if you haven't seen the movie Soul, everybody, go see it. Um, oh, and if you want to cry your face off, also go see Soul. So good luck with that. But <laughs> um, crying aside, um, I mean, one of the things you, you'd said that uh, I wanted to circle back to is you said um, you, you like setting up your life to be tripping into good deeds. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah, going back to the mundane things, like... Habits are really important because they allow our brains to think about other things. And and ritual is a more intentional perspective on a habit. And so I like to approach these mundane things, doing the dishes mm-hmm. as a ritual, as, okay, I'm not just doing these dishes because I have to do these goddamn dishes. I am going to put on an episode of Bob's Burgers on my tablet and watch that while I'm doing the dishes. Or, oh, there's this podcast that I've wanted to listen to. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do that while I do the dishes. Um, you know, taking things that are these have-tos and sneaking in habits that bring you joy so then it's more, oh, I haven't listened to the Office Ladies podcast this week. I should do the dishes. Because... Yep that's my reward system for that guilty pleasure podcast you know right that's brilliant that's brilliant <laughs> um I, I i don't know why i never associated i i never thought that you'd be a bob's burger person but also it of course it makes sense you're a bob's burger person i've done two different burlesque acts as louise no you haven't i've retired both of them because there's like it's complicated performing a even though it's a cartoon, a character that's a child. Still a child. Like, it gets weird. But yeah, no, the first one I did, uh, I actually uh, co-produced a whole Bob's Burgers burlesque show at Coney Island. No. And uh, <laughs> I was, the premise was that Louise was being punished for, you know, 
something right. and I had to pick up after everybody's acts uh-huh. and then at the end of the show I rolled out a trash can that was on fire and I threw everyone's costumes into it and that's why I also took off mine because I threw them into the trash can it was a illusion it was real fire but we like built a trash can where you know I could do this life is on um, fire and still have costumes at the end of the day yeah Brilliant. yeah um, I, I will also assume that erotic friend fiction showed up at some point. Uh, yeah, our, our Tina Belcher was played by a performer named Matt Knife, and he definitely engaged in some erotic friend fiction. All, all this makes sense. So, um, so, uh, so tripping into good deeds. I mean, it also sounds like that that's that's kind of setting yourself up for doing something that you fi- find important. So, if you you kind of referred to it earlier as like if you. You know, if, if, if worse comes to worse, if times are tough, setting yourself up so that you have these good things that are, in a sense, relatively easy to find yourself in. I know that's kind of a roundabout, that, that or that's my complete misinterpretation of what it is that you were referring to. But I mean, that's really it. Like I, I mentioned when we were offline, this like book that I'm the, the tentatively working on, the Choose Your Own Self-Care Adventure. Um And a large part of the premise of that book starts with making a bunch of different kinds of lists so that when you get to these dark points, you can look at these lists and be like, no, 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 no. Yeah, okay, I guess I can do that. I'll do that. Let's see how I feel after that. And giving yourself the permission to just do that one thing without any expectation of Mm -hmm. anything except it being that one thing. Mm Mm-hmm. I mean, to to that end, you 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 talked about one of the ways that you've helped to deal with your your anxiety is is list making. It is you you showed me your very elaborate calendar system, which I'm, <laughs> which I, I think is fantastic. I guess tell, could you tell me a little bit more about the 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 development, the necessity behind the development of this calendar system, what the calendar system helped you to fix or to solve, and what what it takes to maintain this in your life. Yeah, um, I actually never thought in a million years that I'd be able to create a calendar system like that without it just leading to me feeling like a failure with a bunch of anxiety. Because I always thought, like, once you say something has to happen at a time, then if it doesn't happen at that time, you failed. Um, yeah. But, uh, so it sort of started, it was kind of twofold. So uh, my friend Remy D was making these routines where it was like 9.30 this, 10 this, 10.30 this, 10, 11 o'clock this. And she'd post pictures on her Instagram stories. And I was like, wow, I really admire that you do that. I could never do that. Fast forward to quarantine happening and everything going off the rails. And I was like, time is totally irrelevant. There's no structure. There's nowhere to go and nothing to do. How do I give time meaning? And so that's when I made the list of okay, well, these are the things I'd like to work on or read or whatever. And then I assigned how long I felt they would take if I did them on a weekly basis. And now I was like, oh, well, that's 40 hours. That's a work week. Okay, well, let me look at the schedule. Okay, well, I'll schedule this two hours here and that there, and I'll put in a lunch break. And and you know what? Even if I don't do the thing that I put there, I know it takes two hours, so... If it doesn't happen, I'll find two hours later. Mm -hmm. Or again, Tuesday will happen again. Um, And that really, once once I gave myself the permission to not do the same thing every day forever and ever, amen, which Mm -hmm. is kind of how I feel like we're encouraged to live our lives. Um, Once I had that permission, once I realized all time is my time, 
And if I don't structure it in a way that pleases me, I'm not going to enjoy doing the work, even if it's something I want to do. Mm-hmm. Right. It's going to become a pain in the butt. It's going to yeah. become that, that, that have to. Right. So, I mean, within, with, 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 with scheduling that what what has how have things been since the development of that and and were there some different iterations or permutations that that calendar system took place for you yeah so i actually have four different calendars it's hard to keep track um you should uh, develop a list for that this is another part of it is Sometimes I can interact with Google Calendar really well. Other times opening it gives me anxiety. Sometimes I can look at that board and interact with it really well. Other times it gives me anxiety. Sometimes I want to open a day planner and see exactly what I've told future self you're supposed to be doing specifically. Sometimes that gives me anxiety. So I've created systems that I can jump from um, so that I can still feel like I'm moving forward, even if I'm not necessarily feeling or doing what I want it to be, mm-hmm. you know, because like I also, I have various health issues too. Like sometimes, sometimes you just can't do something right. and almost worse than not being able to just do something because you're sick is the guilt and anxiety that builds up over the expectations people have from you or that you have of yourself or that you're letting people down or that, Oh, well, because I'm not doing this now, that's not going to happen. And getting lost in that anxiety are the things that lead to not waking up tomorrow, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So having these different branches I can jump from lets me be the little crazy mind monkey I need to be with having a little bit of grounding with the systems that you've developed. Right. Cause I know, I mean like we all have things we have to do. We have jobs we have to get accomplished within a certain amount of hours or maybe at specific times every week, kids that need to get picked up on certain days. Like there's going to be certain things you don't have the freedom to negotiate with. Um, and so I think it's, it's really important to identify what those things really are versus what you feel feel like like because I noticed there were a lot of things that felt like they were really urgent and important that I realized those are my priorities those are priorities given to me by something else those are priorities given to me by capitalism those are priorities given to me by this this have to Mm -hmm. but realistically they're not that important so once you really identify the things you can't negotiate you can't fudge with Mm -hmm. you also know exactly what your free time is and once you know exactly what your free time is your time suddenly becomes way more valuable because it's not just this thing you're floating from thing to thing to or trudging along Mm -hmm. but you're like no I want to watch the Loki series and that's going to take me eight hours so I'm going to find two hours every week to do it and that's just as important as anything else, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. Right. Because you're also then, yeah, you're taking command of your own time, owning your own time, and also, in a sense, owning your procrastination. Yeah. But Acknowledging that it's going to happen. Right. You can't avoid it. Procrastination's going to happen. Right. But in a sense, but putting, but kind of <laughs> routinizing your procrastination. Right. Yeah. This, yeah. This, 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 and, and there's, 
I, I apologize if I've said this a number of times, there's a tremendous amount of self-awareness that needs to take place for that to happen. You need to know what we're really good at. And we need to be honest about that too. It's so hard to be honest about, you know, I'm not the sort of guy, this is me also confessing, I'm not the sort of guy who's going to be able to read and be a, you know, stellar therapist and still be a present husband and dad and, you know, friend. I, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to do all those things. I'm going to do some of those things and the other th- and I keep, but there are those people out there who can get all that that stuff done and f that person why does that person have it so easy well, maybe it's not easy for them. Maybe they're miserable all the time. But from as as not being them, we don't know that looking at it. Valid point. Um, right. But, but this also brings up something we talked about before as well. Uh, the idea that there's different seasons for things. So, like, yeah. maybe you don't have the time to be a great therapist and number one dad and a good husband and read and go jet skiing during the summer because that's your busy season. Right. But maybe you notice in November and December when the kids are at school and things are colder and people are just like inside more in general. So you have to list social obligations. Maybe all of a sudden you can start reading for one hour on Sundays. And that's the other part of it is letting yourself feel like a small goal is good enough. Yeah. Ooh. Can you talk more about that? Yeah. So this idea that like, okay, so I really struggle getting into meditation and I recognize it's important, but I realized one of the reasons I wasn't meditating a lot was because I don't have, I'm probably undiagnosed ADHD. I was um, going to ask I, about that. Yeah. Um, I don't have on my own, if there's not some filler noises or something else going on, like biking is a great meditative state for me. Modeling is a great meditative state for me. But just meditating, mm-hmm. I kept feeling like I was failing. And so then I started procrastinating it. And because I wasn't doing that, I also stopped stretching. And because I wasn't stretching, I wasn't eating my food on time. Like there were all of these things falling out. And then one day I was like, you know what works? Watching the Headspace meditation series on Netflix. I can put that on for the 20 minutes it's on knowing that the first 10 minutes he's going to jibber jabber so I can be like kind of all over the place and like tidying and getting myself together and getting my coffee or whatever and by the time he gets to the meditation I can lie on the floor and just do it because I know it's only 10 minutes and I've given myself 30 minutes for this 20 minute activity um, and that's good enough if I'm doing those 10 minutes, it's better than the whopping nothing that I'd be doing otherwise. <laughs> right. Right. And again, within that, there's there's a there's an element of pushing against the idea of being that perfect person, whoever that person is that we compare ourselves with. And mm-hmm. and working within the parameters of ourself and just and kind of being the okayest version of us. Mhm. Right? Yeah. Yeah, but I, but yeah, you, again, you, you've been you a long time. You know that you're going to need that kind of like jibber jabber time to to kind of hone in on something and then to be able to do it. But also, meditation's hard. And I tell people that you know, there there are Buddhist monks who dedicate their entire life to it, and they can't do it right. What makes us think mm. that we can? Well, and that's the other thing about it is at the end of the day, there's no mastery because tomorrow's a new day, like. And, mm-hmm. and we, we have a culture that's set up to make us feel like at some point you're going to get there. Mm-hmm. 
but really the only there to get is dead. Like, like if you're still alive, even once you get to a successful plateau, you're going to look and say, Oh, now I want that. You know, mm-hmm. like, like last year, uh, at the end of 2020, before there was a vaccine or anything, when I was like really depressed, I was like, I miss traveling and I don't know when I can do it again, mm-hmm. but I'm going to make my goal to travel three times in 2021. Mm-hmm. And I like figured out destinations and I wrote them down and I wrote the time, like general times a year I wanted to do it. And in December of 2021, I found that little scrap of paper and I had done all the traveling I set out to do. So I was like, you know what? My goal for 2022, six times. So I wrote out six places I wanted to go and time frames and everything. And like, so far I'm on track. I'm doing the things. And like, when I make these lists, I'm like, I don't know how I'm going to pay for it. I don't know how I'm going to do whatever. I'm just like, this is what I want to do. This is my goal. I'm going to keep checking in on it. And I'm just going to assume I'm going to get there because I guess it keeps happening. Like, Right. And, and within that, there's... I, 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 I'm willing to bet there are a ton of decisions that go into it in anticipation for it, but you put yourself, it sounds like you're, you're the person that really responds to a deadline. You put it on the calendar, you know, what's going to happen. So therefore you can anticipate it. But I bet if it's not there or I'm, if it's not on the calendar and it's just kind of this existential thing that you kind of want to eventually do, it doesn't get done. And I, I think the other part of that too was I was not putting things on the calendar before, but I was afraid of missing them and failing myself. Mm -hmm. And I didn't want to deal with that guilt. And so part of putting it on the calendar is also understanding this is just a thing I wrote down that I wanted to do. There's nothing breathing down my neck for it. So you know what? If a different opportunity comes up or something else happens and I can't do blank, I know I still want to do that thing. Mm -hmm. So I can recalibrate and be like, okay, maybe that's next summer. Mm -hmm. Um, it's really constantly giving myself permission that most of the things I decide mm-hmm. I'm not indebted to. I can change my mind. Things can happen differently. Life can come up and that doesn't make me a failure. Mm-hmm. I think that's huge. Giving I yourself- think living in New Orleans has been a big part of that because even before quarantine hit, I had to start building in like two or three hours in my day that were just mystery hours. Like if something's supposed to take an hour, I'll give it three hours. If other people are involved, not because it's not going to work out, but because sometimes you walk down the street and you can't walk 10 blocks without seeing everybody, you know, Mm. or, or some, second line comes down the street and the next thing you know you're at this secret party at the end of the world with a live jazz band and like if you were really sticking to that schedule you wouldn't have been open to that opportunity and I think part of the point of living in New Orleans is creating times and spaces where you can just get lost in the city Mm -hmm. and thinking about that in my schedule as a whole has also been a huge thing because like I'll schedule an hour for myself to read knowing full well it's probably only going to be 30 minutes but by giving myself an hour I can do the putzing or whatever happens that makes it not an hour and still get done the amount of reading that in my heart I knew was going to happen mm-hmm. right and there's you know we, we kind of work within the constraints of who it is that we are as people without expecting ourselves to be that other person who can just set themselves down for 30 minutes and to actually do 30 minutes because mm-hmm. I'm not that guy. It sounds like you're you're not that girl. So why, why yeah. are we even going to pretend we're, we're going to work within who it is that we are? And that's freeing. 
Yeah. Holy bonkers, it's freeing. Yeah. And it's necessary because, like, if someone doesn't tell you to figure it out on your own, sometimes, like, you don't realize that it's freeing, that that's an option even, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, if not for, for quarantine, I don't know how many of these realizations I would have come to, how much of the self-awareness would be as crystallized for me. You probably would have just kept doing the things that you were doing. Yeah. Or, or it would have taken a lot longer to get here. Right. Right. Or that. Oh man. I mean, well, it's, it is surprising the things that we came out with from quarantine. What a weird time. What a wild lifetime to be on the planet earth. Pass one star would still. I not really like that, that show, The Good Place, though. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know where that jump was. Tell me how the jump was to The Good Place. It's it, it is so, a good I, show. I'll give you that. So, so The Good Place is actually like my favorite and least favorite thing because <laughs> it was super popular, right? Like everyone was into it, and I also feel like everyone missed the message. Um, so I love it because it's a 30 minute comedy about philosophy and ethics and I love ethics I've always been kind of like morals eh, that's like that's judging people but ethics are how do we coexist and be our best selves Mm. you know and philosophy are all the different angles of ethics and comedy is the only way to get through this life Mm -hmm. as far as I'm concerned and so it was such a refreshing show that it kept hitting these points that are these walls we all hit in our thought processes and realities Mm -hmm. and I think most people hit those walls and then are just resigned to doing the same thing over and over again because you know the world does feel hopeless and change is hard Um, but so is being miserable every day for your next 10, 20, 30, 40 years you know Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. So, I like. I think it's it's really important to become comfortable with change, mm-hmm. um, and and stop trying to hold things, grip things with into with dear life. You know. Yeah, I mean, how how has that philosophy influenced you your your performing and your your art not just the the way that you live life but has it impacted your specific uh uh, kind of performance goals and directions actually i think burlesque bingo in part was formed in response to that so like i i have a theatrical background and i've studied art and have watched musicals enough that i know like what lines are supposed to look like so i can i can fake my way through seeming like a dancer um but it's not necessarily my shining skill set. And when I moved to New Orleans, the culture of burlesque here is different than the culture of burlesque in New York. Um, and there's a lot more, you know, because it's it's a jazz town. So there's a lot more classic burlesque and a lot more bump and grind. And I love watching that performance, but like it is not my strength. Mm. And I kept hitting this wall because I kept, you know, I was like a square peg. I kept trying to fit into these round holes and there's nothing wrong with being a round hole, but I'm a square peg. And then burlesque bingo. One of the prizes you can win is you get to choose the song I'm going to dance to. Um, and so I have no idea what the song's going to be. I don't know if I'm even going to know the song. And I have danced to everything from the theme song to the movie jaws. 
yeah. Yeah. It's it's lots of fun. You can actually watch it on my Instagram stories. Like it's saved in like the memory things there. Um, through like you know sweet cherry pie and then like everything else. Yeah. Like like bananas and pajamas, like crazy things. And I did that because. I want the opportunity to dance and to improve, mm-hmm. but I was recognizing that I, I was a square peg in these round holes. And so by creating this element of chaos, I've now said it. So there's the audience has no expectation of my being good. Cause they know I'm just getting the song. Mm-hmm. Um, and that creates all this freedom for me to then do my best impression of a dancer. Whereas when I'm doing that, as a real act, I feel like I'm faking it. Mm-hmm. Um, but because of this context, the slight shift, now I get to actually explore it. Like I've done, uh, when you, when it's called floor work where you do, you know, you'll do like things with your legs or you do like whatever floor dancing things. And I've always avoided doing it cause I don't feel sexy in that way. Uh-huh. And I've begun exploring floor work because of burlesque bingo. Mm-hmm. You know, I've created opportunities for me to have time to get unscared about something yeah. and try it in a safe environment. You gave your, you gave yourself permission to not be an expert. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and in a sense, and I'll, I'll use this word. Um, this, this might be a, a, an exaggeration. You gave yourself kind of room to fail. Yeah. Right. And when we for do, sure. when we do that, when we allow ourselves to fail a little bit, yeah, then there's no expectation that it's going to be perfect. Yeah. We're going to, yeah, go ahead. And well, also when you're playing, failure is not even in the conversation, right? Like when you're a kid and you're playing, like you're playing, you're you're you know you're playing Star Trek on the playground or whatever. There's no rules; you're making them up as you go along. Right. Guess what? That's all of life. Literally, no <laughs> one has any idea what's going on. We're all faking it. We've been given a certain structure, and we're trying our best to work within that structure. But at the end of the day, that structure was made up by a bunch of dead dudes. You know, like. It's true. And and they were just making it up too. <laughs> right. Right. But they just wrote the old the old piece of papers about it. But what I love about that is kind of thinking about like all right, like the kids playing on the, on the playground, they they play and then at some point they they like pause and go, "Oh, should we do this or should we do this? Oh, let's do that. All right, well, let's keep going." And yeah. then and they're they're having these sidebars. They're and it's not perfect and it's not this like scene that goes fl- fluidly. It's yeah. all it's all it's you know by another standard it might be awkward and tangential and incoherent, but that's the that's the point. Can we give ourselves permission to do that in the rest of our life in other elements? Yeah. And it sounds like you in what well, have you have you then in in practicing and playing with the idea of doing floor work? How how have you have you developed greater confidence with doing it, or do you feel more do you feel more comfortable with it? Yeah, absolutely. I feel like I've I've grown a lot as a performer since giving myself this freedom um, to explore things that I didn't think I was good enough for, or sexy enough for, or whatever, whatever. Yeah, right. That's amazing. It's amazing because you can you then again it's it's not something that you are you are going to give yourself over to try unless you pat it in this context. Mm-hmm. So, is that something that you just came to? Did you get that advice from somewhere else? Uh, no, it just kind of evolved organically. I'm not sure at what point I had the light bulb to make people choosing my song one of the 
elements. I think I was just sick of picking songs. Like I was like, I, I was in a musical drought uh-huh. and I was just like, you do it. And it was really <laughs> fun. Like I like not knowing what's going on because I, again, I still have, there's still a context and a structure. I know I'm dancing. Mm-hmm. I know I'm taking something off. Mm-hmm. I can be funny if I want to. Mm-hmm. I can be serious if I want to. There's right. really no expectation. Yeah. Uh, so just do it. <laughs> yeah, just do it and it's it's going to be what it's going to be. There's this, and and if there is if it's not expected to be earth-shattering, it's it's going to be what it's going to be and oftentimes that's usually better than what we had what it would be if we'd expected it to be this best damn thing to ever. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Well, and a lot of times you also discover things that take it to become better than the best damn thing ever because mm. You gave yourself permission to explore, and now you're like, "Oh, I can actually like level up differently." Awesome. Do you have any examples of that from your life? Um, I feel like the way I live my life is that <laughs> I'm just constantly being like, "I know there's a system here, but what if I do this instead?" I didn't die. I'm making money. Okay, great. Let's keep doing Let's it. Let's keep this way. doing that. Right. Yeah. Right, and it's it's the it's the choose your own adventure. That, yeah. you, that you were talking about, right? What it's it's funny. I think that um, as I was as I was sitting here going, you know, I, I wonder if people are going to start to listen to this this episode, thinking, oh, there's going to be a it, it's going to be a conversation with a burlesque uh, professional, burlesque dancer. Um, I, I bet it's going to be talking about anxiety about you know getting up there the first time and what that was like to do the show, and it's all about scheduling and it's all about trying to <laughs> uh, <laughs> try to be our best self. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, to, I mean, it's... Go ahead. Oh, it's funny. I actually, like, because the structure of burlesque makes so much sense to me, uh-huh. I don't even really notice the nudity. Yeah. It's just part of, it's part of how you do it. It's like, you know, when you're getting your tires pumped, you have to check how much air you put in. Like, it's just, it's just what you do. Like, you take your clothes off. Okay, no big deal. Like... And at the, the other thing I realized, I'm like I'm much kinder to other people's bodies than I am to my own. Mm-hmm. But going to a burlesque show, you see so much body diversity, yeah. And just people not being ashamed mm-hmm. is so empowering mm. that if you just give yourself permission to let the thing be what it is, mm-hmm. and also realize that anyone who's being judgy about it is a dick, and you don't want them in your life anyway, mm. it's so freeing, you know? Right. Like, if your opinion is crummy, then thank God for existentialism, because you just don't exist in my world. Like, <laughs> it's perfect. But yeah. yeah, I think that there's uh, it. Yeah, I can imagine that that can be really tough for some people to 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 let themselves get carried away by comparison. But mm-hmm. yeah, by it's a, was that was that a surprise or was that an unexpected kind of side effect of getting into that world? I definitely think being in burlesque and it's still I'm still in the process of it yeah. has definitely helped me dismantle a lot of my internalized fat phobia. Mm-hmm. Like I remember before I started performing when I was just going to shows at first that my narrative of my body was that I was too big to be a skinny girl, mm-hmm. but not big enough to be a big girl. And mm-hmm. so I thought no one wanted to see my body, that it was like this imperfect in-between, like, like there, it, I, I get an opinion, body, you know? Right. But, and I don't 
know how I shed that or even if I did maybe the first few years I was performing because the objective and purpose the stories I was telling being mm -hmm. a comedian all of these other things were so much more important than my body image issues right. that like I didn't need to contextualize myself that way when I was doing the work mm -hmm. um, and again burlesque audiences want you to succeed if you get up there and entertain, they're the most generous audiences. You're encouraged to hoot and holler the whole show. Like, mm -hmm. and it's fun making noise. Everyone likes being noisy. So once the show gets started, like the audience is just going to keep getting better. Mm -hmm. and there, um, it, it sounds within that context that they're, they all want, they're, they're all in it together. Yeah. In a sense. I mean, no one wants to see someone take their clothes off and f look ashamed right right like i like i don't want that for anyone i don't want you to feel that way so mm -hmm. like everyone in the audience if nothing else is just like fuck yeah you got naked you know like mm -hmm. good for you you are on stage and you're proud and like yeah man right and was there was there any um i guess how how have you or do do when you're kind of talking to people who are getting into getting into it are they do, do you kind of help them through some of that mindset it, or get get them to that place if they're experiencing that that anxiety either about their performance or their their appearance or their abilities so it's really interesting i find a, i think a lot of people want to take their clothes off in front of people but they just don't either have a, a support network for it or a place to do it mm -hmm. um because I find, like, for people who want to do burlesque, the conversation's never about taking your clothes off. Because that's part of the form. It's, yeah, it's just, is right. what it is. And so many, so many people get into it because it makes them feel good about themselves. Right. It's not about posing and standing in front of a mirror and nitpicking, you know, your elbow scruff or what, I don't know, like, the, the, whatever things. It's, it's about having a good time and taking your clothes off and because there's this vast sliding scale from you know quote-unquote amateur to professional or like a bar show versus a live stage show like you don't need much self-awareness to understand which context you're in and if you're performing at a bar like people aren't expecting broadway so if that's where you're headed you can work on it but like if they're at the bar for a burlesque show, they're just at a bar for a burlesque show and they want to have a good time. And you probably do too. Right. Right. It, 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 it's interesting the, that, that shift, it, like it has, it, again, getting, taking your clothes off for the average person in their job, that would be odd, unexpected, maybe perhaps yeah. off, off putting, but the structure and the form of burlesque, that's what's to be expected. If you were an engineer and they said, by the way, in addition to trying to build this bridge, you are going to be naked half of the time. Are you okay with that? That's going to be a little odd for some people. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, context is everything, you know, and that's, that's one of the, the things I feel I'm seeing come back to our world is the concept of nuance just because nudity is appropriate in one context doesn't make it appropriate in all contexts. Like, read the room. <laughs> read the room. That's true. I'm really glad... I'm personally really glad 
that nudity is not part of everything of everything I, I tend to like my clothes on yeah i i love clothes i love playing dress up i love getting dressed for things <laughs> like i i i am not a nudist but like i'm happy to be naked in front of people but again, it sounds like for, for you, and maybe this is just a misinterpretation, so strike, tell me if I'm wrong, uh, or shame me if I'm wrong. You choose. But um, it's also, it's like, again, for, for you, it's so, it's so much more than just this one aspect of things. There's mm-hmm. the comedy, there's the show element, there's probably the, the, just the, the fun performative nature of it in terms of being able to tell this fun story in this you know, juxtaposed context i mean you talked about the, the bob's burger one it, mm. it, there is a juxtaposition between these these two stories that is fun yeah yeah i mean that's what uh, that that's what isn't that what comedy is the juxtaposition of these two concepts yeah yeah so playing playing with all that yeah anyways i don't want to take up too much more of your time i appreciate all all the time you've you've uh you've given us is there anything else that you'd want to add at the end of this either about your your self-discovery in terms of how uh, how you use these tools to help battle or fight against your anxiety or just anything else that you'd want to add to somebody else who's listening you might want to or might need to hear uh, some some uh, encouragement yeah, um, so I mentioned at the beginning of the podcast that I just became the producer for uh, a, sh- a podcast called The Witch Daily Show. Yeah. Um, and it's like a week, daily, 20-minute episodes about, you know, for witches, by witches, you know, uh, witches in headlines, different herbs, like whatever, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but one of the things I really dove deeper into over quarantine was witchcraft and you know it saved my life like the whole way, reason I got to the conclusion about seasons mm-hmm. was because f- so many various pagan aspects are built around different holidays are for different things you focus on different things at different times you know like I because I have a 28 day menstrual cycle I like following the moon because I think it's interesting if nothing else that there's this thing we have in common i hate your 28 days me too moon um <laughs> and it gave a jumping off point for exploration mm. you know again things don't have to be answers they can be questions and having this different angle to approach my mental health from you know learning learning about shadow work or, or okay, let me pull a tarot card and see what it says and see if I can find any relevance to this for my life today. Or these, mm-hmm. these other angles of approach uh, have just been really great. And then there's so much community around it too. Like the podcast has a Facebook group and I've been like, I just learned how to make oat milk from this Facebook group. Like it's amazing. It's great. I love witches. <laughs> how do you milk an oat? Uh, very carefully. I think that's the right answer. Fair enough. Okay. Well, um, any well, I guess any any other any other uh, words of wisdom before we sign off today? Uh, rest. Rest is revolutionary. Well, I as as we previously talked about, I, I I will do that one day, and I'm glad that you are doing that for yourself. So, all right, Lefty Lucy, well, thank you so much for joining us today and sharing um, your hard fought wisdom. Thank you, Kevin, for having me. This is great. Absolutely. Bye. Bye. 
All right, everybody. Thank you so much for making it through that episode. Uh, it was a very fun episode, a very fun chat uh, to have with Lefty. Uh, I hope you all enjoyed it as well. Hope uh, if you have any questions, actually, uh, uh, for her or about her uh, experience, feel free to send them in. Go over to fearcastpodcast.com. You can send me a question over there, and I'm sure Lefty would be happy to be back on the uh, uh, podcast to chat about um, or to chat about her experience or her, her, her knowledge and her uh, uh, to answer your questions. So, again, go over to fearcastpodcast.com if you have any questions uh, that you would like extended to her or about the uh, the, the episode itself. So, um, if uh, if uh, please remember, everybody, that the Fearcast is not substitute for psychotherapy. If you have questions about uh, treatment or need a little bit of assistance in your own progress, go over to fearcastpodcast.com and you can uh, click on the uh, uh, Get Help link. There'll be some links and some tips there for you. So, without uh, or please remember, everybody, that uh, I. So everybody, until next time, take a risk, challenge yourself, and don't take your brain too seriously.